Hi, everybody. This is Kirk, your enthusiasm. I'm joined tonight by famous Mavs fan, Jason Gallagher of TheRinger.com. Jason, how are you doing? Woo! I am great. I'm great. I just finished watching game two, um, and I'm feeling really good. It was it was weird watching a Mavs playoff game and just sort of feeling comfortable the whole time. I mean, one of the luxuries of being a Mavericks fan is that you... <laughs> You don't ever feel good about a lead until about 10 minutes after the whistle has blown. <laughs> over. You just want to make sure that they didn't do anything retroactively. So um, to watch that game and feel relatively comfortable the whole time was a weird feeling. How about you? I don't remember the last time that many things went wrong for the Mavericks in a game and they won. Hmm. Because there, that game was horrifying for me at parts, but yeah. then they just kept punching back. And so yeah. once that, I really didn't feel good until Tim Hardaway's juniors free throws, like around like the two minute mark, because I just thought things were going to go bad when it got to be a 10 point lead. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I really, I really like, I was telling you this earlier that a lot of my coworkers had said that, you know, oh, we wasted this 42 point Luka game in game one. And I just kept coming back to like the role players were just sort of outstanding in that first game. And it, it parts, you know, and yeah, if, you're a Dallas, if you're a Dallas fan, specifically in the bubble, they, a lot of them have sort of, you know, there's been some really low lows, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And so anytime that it feels like a lot of them are, you know, the role players are playing decent. I, that's I had total faith that Luca is just going to continue to play well. It's a matter of whether or not we're going to get the same kind of production out of like Dorian Finney-Smith, Kleber, people like that. And sure enough, this this second game, they came they came right back. I'm loving it. I I don't know what to do with my hands at this point. I'm Ooh. I'm still kind of in awe. So Luca. <laughs> Just to just for fun, Luca is scoring more than a point a minute so far in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> um, he scored 42 points in 38 minutes yesterday or uh, two days ago and scored 28 points in 28 minutes today. So I think he's doing OK. I think yeah. we might see a 50 spot. Dude, I, I would be ecstatic, but he honestly doesn't need it. That's what's so awesome about him. He's not that type of player that necessarily needs to do that. And I, I don't know. I just love the guy. I feel I, good. I, Isn't it weird to I, feel good? It feels weird, so we should enjoy these next two days <laughs> live as though it's not 2020, although we should. But you know what I mean. Yeah, just feel yeah. good, folks. I had I got a sweet, a really uh, sweet text from the Ringers' Kevin O'Connor that was basically just like, uh, "What a joy it must be, you know, to know that you're going to be rooting for Luca for this for so long, and that you're." Hopefully your son will be rooting for Luca. And it was just like, dude, are you trying to get me emotional after this game? Because it's working, <laughs> it's working Kevin. <laughs> I I just, it's been crazy because, you know, the, the last time the Mavericks won a playoff game yeah. was April, April 18th was what I researched. I don't remember it because my son was 40 days old at that point. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really, it was like during that time of, of new, new parenthood. And yeah. it was the Raymond Felton game. Um, don't know oh, if yeah. you recall that one. <laughs> there were some. And we've just, you know, we're a lucky fan base. Got to be honest, uh, we really are. And and you know, we only had three years of of suffering, and it really wasn't even three. It was like two, and then you know, Luca fell into our laps, and then Porzingis. So there's 
this is this is some really bright future stuff going on here and and the the I, I had a take uh, earlier in the in the week that the Mavericks had they won like five more games because their clutch rating was so bad they would yeah. have been like a forty eight win team now and that I think is kind of dangerous for their development because they have a lot of expectations right now we're playing with house money we're tied with the Clippers that feels great 100%. yeah I mean they they especially with what you said about winning those few games I mean even even as the bubble restarted sort of the narrative on the Mavs were just like that they they were actually like the struggling team. And it was literally because they had blown that first game. Like just certain little bitty, tiny, itty bitty things had happened to them. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. That feels like 10 years ago when everyone was like, oh, fuck, the Mavs, they blow it and blah, blah, blah. And they typically do. But how far we've come in just a matter of weeks. And now I'm looking at this team and I'm like, well, who can really stop us? No, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? I mean, I don't. So this was just an interesting thought. The Clippers are not taking the Mavericks seriously. The Clippers are capable. The Clippers are capable of beating the pants off the Mavericks. The Clippers are not capable of stopping Luka Doncic. Right. That is wild. (laughs) <laughs> that is wild to to I think I think in the in the history books it's going to say that he scored 42 points in his very first playoff performance best ever in all of NBA scored how many points in the first two games like 70 70 something mm-hmm. um also historic but the, I hope that they write down that he did it against the Los Angeles Clippers mm-hmm. in the first game he did it against a fully loaded Los Angeles Clippers team had Patrick Beverly that was definitely I mean you saw in the first few possessions he was definitely trying to be an asshole to Luka Doncic and I legitimately worried about it I was like oh here we go now we're going to see how young Luka really is but I I, as a person who loves him started to get worried and how foolish of me because once again he sort of just overwhelms me with this sort of like oh my god this guy, like, you could throw anything at him, and he's just not going to lose his poise. His I wish I had this kind of poise. Like, I am not. He, oh he, he just is a man beyond his years. Let me let me throw this stat at you. So okay. after the the Clippers started eighteen to two in Game One, the Mavericks have now outscored the Clippers two hundred and thirty five to two hundred and fourteen since. Wow. So that's kind of, so that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. And and okay. I, ah, this is awesome. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna throw something at you. You're a stats guy. I'm a gut guy. Eh. Um, I'm a gut guy. So sure. something that that everybody tells me uh, is essentially that the Mavs need a third guy, and I agree with that. Okay, I agree with that. A third guy meaning a third sort of scorer, creator, person like that. Sure. However, because because and they say that because Tim Hardaway Jr. when he's on, the Mavs looks pretty good. But you can't really count on that, right? He's Tim Hardaway Jr. He's done well. He's not the ideal. However, what if you have two Tim Hardaway Juniors, though? In Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr., now you got two kind of streaky creators, and you kind of like both of them together make one, and they kind of got it going because Trey Burke looks pretty friggin' good, and when he doesn't look good, Tim has looked pretty good. Like, it's kind of – 
it's it's a nice little thing going. The, the I, two of I for I for one am pretty excited. I don't even know what to do with myself to a certain extent because yeah. if if what what if I told you and you should yeah. tell your you should be sure to text your former or text your colleague Jason Concepcion this. What if yeah. I told you that Knicks legends Chris Apps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Trey Burke combined for fifty six points tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh this is so dumb i feel so bad for them i feel so (laughs) bad for them at the lottery and the lottery is when is this running i guess it's tonight or whatever and a lot pretty soon they're probably gonna get screwed again and they're just gonna think about it as they watch trey burke go off and basically you know show lou williams what's up it's pretty wild this is just good it's Do you good. have any other takes you want to get off before I let you go? Because I don't want to take up too much of your time. It's middle yeah. of the night. <laughs> no, not really. I, 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 um, I'm just very pleased. Even the negatives, even the the Delon rights, can get me <laughs> that down. Poor guy. That poor guy. Let me ask you something. Uh, I, I have one more question. We found his burner account, by the way. Did you? Oh yeah, it's his. It's. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna. Not enough people will listen to this to care, but yeah, it is. Go ahead, though. Uh, okay, so here's my question. Um, so I used to have this take about the Mavericks. This was about three weeks ago. <laughs> how, funny how takes work. And it is <laughs> Boban is that the Mavericks don't – the Mavericks need – I think I may have texted you this. The Mavericks need a dick on the team and that they're too friendly and that they're too close and they talked about it on the broadcast where they were like the mavericks hang out you can't go anywhere without seeing six of the mavericks and quite frankly luka Doncic organized a bowling league how he's capable of doing such things and i was like take it easy guys okay i like luka but anyone can organize a freaking bowling match anyways the point i was trying to say is that Boban, I used to think, sort of embodied as a personality the worst parts of the Mavericks, this sort of cutesy, too friendly, like somebody smacks somebody upside the head when they don't box out type person. I'm kind of flipping the switch on this, and it's because I'm taking Boban seriously. Okay. And I always kind of had, but now I'm like, should he be playing more? Kirk not sure i don't think so because i'm surprised the clippers didn't attack him because when boban is bad he's real bad but when he's good he's real good there's kind of no middle ground with him yeah it's just it's just such an interesting thing i mean obviously carlisle philosophically is just like we're gonna outscore you and that's the positives of boban is that when you miss your opportunities to get another shot or seem greatly improved you know mm-hmm. um so he sort of he sort of fits in the mold of like, we're just going to outscore the shit out of you. So I don't know. I was watching him tonight and I was just like, dude, this guy, this guy like really, I don't know. Like I, I kind of was like, should, should he have like played more in game one when Chris Stapps went out, you know, I don't know. I'm starting to really like look at Boban as this sort of, rather than being a caricature, being like the guy that like, I think should get a little bit more minutes. That's my, that's my Boban take. Well, I'll leave you with one last take then. It just came to me. me. The Dallas Mavericks are the feel good story of the bubble, not the Portland trailblazers who need ref help, 
who need players getting rested, who need all this stuff going their way to get to the eight seed. The Mavericks are, they're America's team. They're facing adversity and coming out happy in 2020. And they're the team we should all be rooting for because they take joy in playing basketball in a way that I, you know, that I really, really, you know, latch onto. So that's my, my garbage take to end the night. <laughs> it's pretty, it's a pretty good take. And I, I really like it. I've been, I've, I've, my, my Dame, my, I go in and out on, on, on Dame, but it's, it's just that he, because he did it against the Lakers, Lakers a much more hated sure. team. So it's like, they're beating Russia and we're beating like, what's a team that's never, what's a country that's never won anything. <laughs> that's what we're doing. With you know what I yeah. mean? Oh yeah. So that's the difference, I guess. Well, this has been great. Thank you for joining me. I feel good uh, that we got a chance to talk. I know we've been wanting to for a while, and this is yeah. the right time. It's a good time. We'll uh, we'll check out all your work on the Ringer because you do a lot of back end stuff and make that site extra great. So, thank you for joining thank us. You. Now, I'm joined by Tim Cato, staff writer at the Athletic, former Godfather of Mavs Moneyball, who helped build the site into what it is today, and then some. Hi, Tim. How are you? Godfather of Maz Moneyball. That's correct. Yes, I, I built it into a money laundering uh, mafia scheme. That um... well, yeah, we're not going to tell Lisa because she she probably <laughs> wouldn't like that because we love her to death. Uh, <clears throat> but if, for anybody who's, who's followed the site for a short period of time, uh, Tim was with the site for many many years, grinding away and learning an epic work ethic, which he has since taken with him to the athletic. And before we hopped on the call, we were just kind of talking about how the new uh, pace of these playoff games is really uh, really kind of throw, thrown me off kilter to a degree because the the, light, the legs on something like our conversation is going to have like 12 hours and then it's not going to matter anymore. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, you know, what I try to do with the athletic, and, and I, I love that I work at this place that lets me do this, is like, you know, be this weird pseudo, like an embedded feature writer um, that, that does a lot of like blog-centric beat writer stuff an addition to that it's kind of a 50 50 split so i'm always working on like bigger projects and working ahead on stuff and now we're in this postseason where you know we're in this playoff series where games are coming every other game and like there's no big projects to work ahead on like i'm I'm fully focused on the series but there's also like not much i can do once i write about the game that happens once i write about you know a follow-up that's going to be going tomorrow but you know like like tomorrow we're just doing a doing a conversation with Saad yusuf another uh Another Maz Moneyball former contributor who's That's up right. the I now. Forgot. So, <laughs> he yeah, contributed I for think, like three months. That's incredible. I know, I know, I know. So it's uh, we we we've got we've got deep ties back uh back between SB Nation and, and the Athletics certainly, but but yeah, no, it's fun. I mean, it's uh, I I love the pace of the of the first round. You know, it's I understand why the why of course the league hasn't done it this way, but it's a lot of fun to just always have basketball on. That's 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 definitely my one takeaway you know, from the whole bubble experience. Well, after two games in roughly 72 hours, you know, you got to sleep on last night's game. I was up till all hours of the night just because I was pretty pumped. You know, how does Tim Cato, former Mavs fan, feel about uh, uh, this this win? Because, you know, back in the day, you were, before you became an impartial analyst, you you were quite <laughs> the Mavs fan. So so what is this? Does, does this stir any, any, any long dead fan feelings? Or what's it like just covering the playoffs from your perspective? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely in a weird, like, not not quite a fan, but I, I wouldn't say I'm totally, like, you know, I think I'm more engaged in the Mavericks than, than any other team, um, and, and I'm engaged because of those underlying fandoms, even if, 
because I see behind the scenes because it is a job and a business and like a daily, I am thinking about this and, you know, because I have to be, you know, it's not certainly not the emotional charge that I have in the team anymore. Um, It was interesting. You know, I wrote a very positive game recap based off game two, where I just said, you know, this is very likely not going to be the case. I'm not saying the Mavericks are going to win, but they're the better team so far. They look like the better team. They, you know, if you told me one of the two teams, had a star duo and was a title contender. I would say it's the Mavericks. They they have been that good thus far. Um, they they've certainly looked looked better than the Clippers. And and there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'm sure we're about to get into it. And you know, I I was I was I wondered if if the if if the tone I took with the with the story I wrote was a bit too positive. And I had I think I saw one comment where someone said I was uh I was giddy. Um, and you know, I'm I'm always I'm always conscious of that. But at the same time, I I legitimately think that. You know that assessment of how, of how the Mavericks have looked through two games, especially after Game Two, especially when they lead wire to wire, and and in a game where you know you can point to five ways that they could have been better, you know whether whether it's free throw shooting or you know just just weird random possessions where they should have, should have scored points and, and didn't, or you know the Luca foul trouble, you know there, there's ways that they could have played even better, and they still won, you know by what 15 points, 18 points, and and you know it was a it was a confident win from start to finish. That that's not something I ever expected to to happen in the series. You know, I thought they would win a game or two. It's I did not expect a win this confidence, this assuring. Um, and and that's 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 the surprise. You know, I, I was I was thoroughly surprised by that. It's it's absolutely wild in some sense because I'm not even sure how many minutes Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis have played together so far this series. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it can't be more, you know, between so basketball games, 48 minutes, 96, between 96 minutes of action, they can't have played more than 30 to 35 minutes together between two contests. It just it, with with, you know, Porzingis getting tossed and Luka having foul trouble. You know, Carlisle had to get a little creative in both contests. And the I pulled I, I had Jason Gallagher on. I'm gonna basically do like kind of a, a compilation podcast with you know three or four quick hits with some of my favorite Mavericks people. And when I had him on at two in the morning, I, I looked up the math. And if you remove the 18 to 2 run to start game one, the Mavericks have outscored the Clippers 235 to 214. And that to me, over that long a stretch, is really shocking. Now I do think that the Clippers are going to hit some shots. They hit two more shots in a game last night. That fourth quarter feels a little tighter and, and and things can get a little wonky, but for a team that's had so many like nearly comical mishaps in, in games that's resulted in some really maddening losses, it was really kind of refreshing and, you know, giddy would be the right term for me because they, they pulled out of the tailspin to get a victory. And that's huge for me as as kind of a fanalist of sorts i, I had a great time <laughs> yeah it, it definitely runs counter to you know a lot of the the most troubling issues that that were seen with this team with their with their clutch time offense and you know and, and obviously it wasn't it wasn't you know crunch time specifically that the mavericks were were thriving in you know it was a, the whole game but it's it's you know just those infuriating mistakes and, and they had a few of those but they didn't come back and bite them and i guess that's the thing that you know makes made the crunch time stuff all season so maddening you know even even as a even as an analyst like you know you can watch a team and be like man y'all could be better you know like you know no matter what my emotions are in this team mm-hmm. like i'm i'm allowed to be annoyed that you know a talented team is not being as talented as as, as they should be but you know it, it did it did show in this game um and, and you're right you know the clippers you know i 
just like I named three or four things the Mavericks could do better or could have done better in game two, there, there's definitely ways the Clippers are going to improve. Um, Patrick Beverly is, is, is huge for them. You know, they, they need another guard who can, you know, dribble the ball and, and do something when, when dribbling that isn't just create a shot for himself. You know, they have players who can do that, but, but they need one more person, you know, cogging the offense to, to help facilitate it. Um, I think they can play better defense. You know, they, they kind of, they kind of, uh, they, they help too much in game one and they, they help too little in game two, um, which helped keep the three point attempts low for the Mavericks, but it did not, you know, it did, it did allow other aspects of, uh, of, of the Mavericks offense to, to, to be successful. Um, I don't Paul know George. if it's a, if it's a working strategy though, because if Luca played Luca's scoring more than a point a minute at this point, so right. he has 70 points in 68 minutes and that is unbelievable. And I don't really see it. You know, if Luca had played more minutes, I don't see why he wouldn't have kept scoring. I feel like they're attempting to guard him like the Mavs guarded Nash back in the mid 2000s. And only Luca has a much more willing, you know, scoring mentality. Yeah. So, and I, and his, his splits are all off too. So, so the Mavericks offense is scoring like 104 points per 100 possessions with Luca on the court, which is weird and not sustainable like that will reverse like the 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 offense will get back to its historic levels with Luca on the floor and it's the off the floor that I was worried about coming into the series and off the floor they're scoring like 120 points per 100 possessions so so (laughs) so it's the exact opposite yeah yeah it's the exact opposite what what I would have expected um but I think I think that's only I would only imagine that's a good thing because I could see the bench regressing and I do think the bench probably has to regress in some manner um but at the same time, I, I could see, you know, the progression, you know, I, I could see the Luca lineups, the starting lineups to get back to to where you would expect them to be. And I think a lot of the Luca lineups, you know, one of the reasons his stats are low is that that bad start in game one and then the the KP minutes, you know, in, in game at the end of game one, um, you know, and, and once you start getting a bigger, bigger, a bigger sample size of the team, you know, being confident, comfortable and and, you know, having their normal set of players on the court without anyone being ejected for reasons we don't have to get back into um you know that that's you know it's going to normalize so so I, I i only see that as a positive you know stat for the mavericks at this point well i what i want to do here is i want to if if the mavericks happen to push this to six games i want to come back and look at this more big picture and maybe have you on a little longer because as i've slept on this game you know i went to bed excited and the more I think about it, the more I don't I, – I could see this becoming a six- or seven-game series if the Clippers don't start taking the Mavericks more seriously. Uh, outside of yeah. Kawhi, they all kind of look like like butt. You started to talk about Paul George, and that was that was the Paul George criticism game that people – you know that, that was just kind of emblematic of all the criticism that gets thrown at him. Where it just he he got out of his game early because Luca got him in three fouls and he really never bounced back even though the refs let him get away at least I felt like the refs let him you know really get away with some stuff to not pick up uh, any more like ticky tack stuff so I, I'm I'm, and, just, and, I'm shocked and you said and you said Kawhi you know has been good and he has been offensively he's got his thirty points but he hasn't been a superstar defensively either I, I wonder if you know I remember seeing a stat where last um in in last year's Eastern Conference Finals the first two games Kawhi didn't really guard Giannis and then uh, if I remember right uh Milwaukee won the first two games and then Toronto won the next four and that's when Kawhi really started picking it up on on Giannis and I could see something similar happening happen with with Luca 
Um, although at the same time, Luca might just be too good. It, like it, it, he legitimately might be that good of an offensive player. So if his three is going down, I don't know what you do to to, to stop him. But yeah, but yeah, no, I, I do think I do think Kawhi can be a bit more superstar on to the defensive end and, and just be a more impactful person there. There's a play from the first game that I keep watching. I'm, I'm going to have to say, you've probably seen it, but it's a clip of Luca driving on Kawhi from the right wing, gets all the way to the rim and basically bumps Kawhi off. Nobody bumps Kawhi off that. And it's just sort of stuck with me because Kawhi is such a powerful player. And Jonathan Sharks talked about this, uh, that Luca's strength is just really underrated compared to the rest of his game which is you know odd because it's it's I think it's like a major part because he's able to get in the lane absorb the contact but push through the contact in a way that that is is kind of under discussed so I would love it if Kawhi matched up on him personally because that's like that's the chess match because Giannis is a different player Giannis is powerful but Giannis is not quite not Giannis doesn't have the skill level of Luka yeah, we're we're bad about talking about the ways Luca is good athletically. Mm-hmm. We're we're bad as like a sports society in the United States. <laughs> um, so hopefully, I can write more articles to 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 try to educate um, myself included. We're all bad at this. It's it's we don't know how to talk about like deceleration and core strength. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we know those are terms, but we don't we don't know how to like turn those into forty times in in vertical leaps because that's all American sports are are you know we're trained to care about, even though. You know, what is what is a max vertical leap really mean in the NBA or our sprint speed when, you know, you really only get to showcase those things on a breakaway dunk. So. So, yeah, well, that's, guys, that's this has been, well, thank you for coming on, Tim. I really appreciate the last minute notice. I will try to give you more notice next time. I know our fans like hearing from you and the people, uh, you know, we, we some I, I will say that we miss having, uh, you know, Josh and I miss having your level of analysis on the site, but we are excited that you're. Um, the, yeah, your time at the good. athletic has been well spent. So I'm really grateful that you uh, came on today. All right. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. We'll, we'll, we'll do that one next week too. Hi everybody. It's Kirk. I'm back now with Dalton of DallasBasketball.com. Also, um, what's the other name of the site? <laughs> well, it's, it's Dallas basketball on SI. Technically. There we go. So, there we go. <laughs> you know Dalton. If you know me, God knows you know Dalton. Of course you do. Well, it's uh, it's about 5 o'clock the day after the game. This is the third of these little mini podcasts that I'm recording with people who I just wanted to hear from after the first Mavericks playoff victory in, in you know, four years. I am exhausted. I, 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 I was going strong until about an hour ago, and then I just hit a wall, and now I'm ready to take a nap. But that victory powered me through like two hours of sleep I'm, i was really feeling great how, how are you doing i'm doing pretty good um like like you said i'm about to hit a wall or i've already hit a wall because i went to bed around 2 a.m uh had a lot of stuff i wanted to write about the game was super excited and then uh, matt and i matt gladson we did a podcast around noon today and I was texting with my wife earlier, and I realized I hadn't even eaten anything today. So, <laughs> so between the day job and you know being super hyped about about the game last night and all the writing and podcasting and everything, I don't know, man. I just I don't even have a headache or anything. It's just it's the natural high of a playoff win. <laughs> right, right. I I've I've really got a. Got to say that 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 was 
you, know, you said something after the first game where you <laughs> I really missed being mad about basketball in a meaningful way, something like that. Like that really tickled me. I also miss that particular feeling because I, I've told a, my previous two guests this. I don't really remember the last time the Mavs won a playoff game. Like the last one that sticks out in my mind is the Vince Carter three from 2014. But, you know, that was a really weird time. Everything else, it's just been such a long time. So, like, to stay up that late and watch such a, like, a thorough victory was really fun. So, I just had a great time with it. Yeah, and even even after game one, you know, it was was super disappointing that they lost. But the Mavs were so competitive in that game, and they really should have won it. And Mm -hmm. they they probably would have if Casey hadn't been ejected. I mean, we don't know how that would have turned out, but it seemed (laughs) like they would have. Uh, so, I mean, even though that was disappointing, it was still excite- exciting, and I think that's when I sent you that about, man, it's great to be mad about <laughs> playoff basketball again, even, you know, ah, yeah, we're getting hosed by the rest of the postseason again. This is great. This is better than just sitting at home waiting about waiting for the draft lottery, which was today, and I hadn't even thought about, yeah. uh, which is awesome. But, yeah, I mean, getting the first, uh, that was the first playoff win for the Mavs since that uh, Raymond Felton hero game in 2016. Uh, But, you know, even then, even in the last, you know, three or uh, two or three playoff series since 2011, I mean, yeah, it was exciting. It was playoff basketball, but you never really got the feeling that you had a real chance to, you know, to move on past the first round and make some noise, you know, past that at least. And, you know, this time it's different because we have a top five player in the NBA. He's upped his level of play in the playoffs. You have Kristaps Porzingis. They're both super young and energetic. And, I mean, it's it's just a completely different feeling. It's like, okay, well, if we beat the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs, then, you know, who are the Mavs going to play going forward that's going to be more difficult than that? <laughs> right. I, I just – so I was listening to Zach Lowe kind of offhand. It was just kind of on in the background today. Uh, and he and Kevin Pelton were really just talking about Luca, And it was so fun to hear this descri- – he described Luca as being the best non-LeBron problem solver in the NBA in the sense Ooh, that – like Right. And, and and he described it as Lucas sees something once and he's he will figure it out. Uh, and you and then gave a couple examples of what the Clippers were doing. And it's it's really interesting. I'm going to be really interested to see what's next. Uh, according to some some, you know, some data, Kawhi Leonard's only spent five minutes on Luca, and that I don't expect to change based on the fact that the Mavericks run so many screens. Kawhi doesn't want to fight through screens. They're just gonna have to figure right. out how to guard him in in helps in help situations, and and I feel this is gonna be I, I, Luca's either gonna have forty points or fifteen assists because the Clippers just don't know what to do with him right now, and unless you know KP somehow you know the the knee thing seems to worry me a little bit with him, and it should just for the the sake of of you know KP's quotes that he gave Brad Townsend, and I'm really I'm, I'm gonna be very curious to see what the, the Clippers try to do because the Mavericks offense is the problem. Um, the Clippers are going to score some more points. I, I think that we got a little lucky on some things last night, but in terms of putting the ball in the basket paired with the fact that KP and Luca have only shared the floor 35 of 96 minutes in the playoffs so far, like the Mavericks have a lot of upside 
to go. Like they've not hit right. that offensive mark. And that's wild to think about considering they scored 127 points last night. Well, and I mean, another thing, it's like uh, Paul George, I think he shot four of 17 from the field, which, yep. you know, some of that was, some of that was just really good defense. And then some of that was, you know, he, he just was missing shots. And I saw a, a picture of him after the game, he was icing his, his right shoulder and, and said that was the second straight game. He's done that. So we don't know if there's an issue there or what the deal is, but sure. I mean, just o- over his career, he's been a, he's been a great player. But it seems like at at times in the playoffs, like yeah, he might have a big game here or there, but it seems like he he doesn't show up when he's needed the most. And right. I'm not saying that he's not going to come back in game three and you know just completely blow the Mavs out or something like that. But I'm just saying, compare that with you know the Clippers franchise. I, I kind of joked about it before the series started that their franchise is still cursed. Um, and yeah. you know you've got you've got Luca, you've got KP, you've got Rick Carlisle, who you know does his best work in the postseason, in my opinion. And I think you've you've got a team that you know really has a chance here. And like you know, like you were saying, the the Clippers, they don't want to have to fight through screen after screen, and you know get roughed up in the first round against the seventh seed when you know they're <laughs> they want to be as as rested as possible going into the next round and you know, the Western Conference Finals and potentially the NBA Finals. So, I don't know. that They seem kind of frustrated. I don't think they expected this kind of energy from this team, given what they saw in the three regular season games they played the Mavs. So, right. I like that. I, I, I like that, you know, the Mavs have kind of shocked them with this defensive energy and Luka taking it up a notch. And like you said, he's either going to have 40 points per game or he's going to have 15 assists. It's going to be one way or the other. He's on a mission. Um, but it's been, it has been—it was nice. It was nice to see him, Luka, after having 11 turnovers in that first game. He, he said he played terrible, even though he had a 42-9-7 and seven <laughs> line. <laughs> but he, he said he played terrible because he had the 11 turnovers and then to come back and put up uh, 28 eight and seven in 28 minutes with one turnover is just, uh, that's just awesome. So I've, I've shared this and I'm going to share it for the third time. Cause I just think it's fun. So um, Luca is scoring more than a point per minute so far in the playoffs. <laughs> he's, played <laughs> 60, ridiculous. he's played 68 minutes and he scored 70 points, um, which is, it's just laugh out loud. Funny. There's just something new with him all the time. I'm having a great time. I, am a pessimist and I don't see any reason why they can't win game three. How are you? How do you, how do you feel? I right don't now? either. I mean, look, I'm already optimistic by nature. So, I mean, yeah, I'm I, just like, I needed that Dalton I'm, optimism. Yeah. I'm like way up in the clouds right now. I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, I already feel like they should be up two Oh right now anyway, but, uh, my official prediction before even going into the series was Mavs and six. So, <laughs> so that that might not happen, but, you know, I was already, you know, I, I just really felt like Luca was going to take it to a, a new level in the playoffs and that if they hit their threes, you know, they're, they're going to get open threes. They just got to hit them, and pretty much everybody except Kleba has done that so far. It's his turn, um, it's his turn now. That's uh, right? Yeah. I think that's right. Right. You know, once he starts hitting a couple threes, I mean, I just – I don't see what the Clippers can do because – 
even and some people said, well, Patrick Beverly, he didn't play. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, he ain't played tomorrow either. Game, He's doubtful. You know doubtful, that? Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, as long as I don't, I don't think Reggie Jackson is going to continue to shoot, you know, an ungodly percentage from three either <laughs> against yeah. the Mavs. So, I mean, I'm optimistic. I think that they can, they can take game three. Uh, it just all depends on how hot their their three point shooting continues to be. Uh, one one really optimistic sign for me is you know Seth Curry and Trey Burke combined for thirty one points, but there was only one three between the two of them, and it was from Seth, and he shot one of three from from three. So these guys are attacking the basket. Uh, they're not settling for bad shots, and I, I mean they. they it was just so vital to get that first game under their belt because I know every it sent a it sent a wave of confidence through the entire roster. Like I know they said coming into the series that they believed that they could win it, but now like I really believe that they believe it. Yeah, which and that that matters. I think that matters a lot because it's it's those little things and the uh, the team has had so you know big picture we're really lucky. But this season, they've had so many small things go wrong at the bad bad times. It felt good to have them overcome that. It was just yes. it was fun. It was a lot of fun. God, I miss playoff basketball being fun. Yeah, and well, I mean, there 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 was at the very end of that at the very end of that game too. You know, the Clippers they the Mavs were up by as many as eighteen, and the Clippers never led, which is incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of that game, they let the league go down to 10 and the Clippers had the ball a couple times, you know, they could have cut into the lead and made it single digits and they were able to withstand that and uh, give the, give the refs credit because, you know, <laughs> as much as we dogged them in game one, they actually made some correct calls at the very end uh, that, that helped the Mavs pull it out. But it was nice. You know, that was a grown up playoff win and I, I can't wait for game three. And either. Well, Dalton, this has been great. This is exactly what I wanted. I'm glad you were able to make it work today. We've been playing phone. We've been playing text tag since like two in the morning last night. So this has been fun. Uh, when it, we're, we might have to do this again in a couple of games, just because I like touching base with you. You make me happy. I appreciate you coming on. All right. Yes, sir. Just call me, text me, whatever. We'll do it again. I, I'm going to keep riding this high until, until they lose another game. That's right. <laughs> All right, everybody, this has been Kirk Henderson with Kirk Your Enthusiasm and Dalton Trigg of DallasBasketball.com, and we will see you out there on the internets. Have fun and go Mavs.